So Isaiah chapter 55 from verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendour. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Um, I just want to, before I pray, I'll just, uh, I just want to recommend a couple of books. No, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's do that first, yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your words have been written down for us in the Bible. Lord, we ask now that as we hear your words that we would receive them in faith, that we would believe them, that we would trust in you. Uh, Lord, strengthen our faith, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're starting a series on the Bible today, what the Bible says about the Bible. Uh, And uh, Tina's done a great job, I don't know if anyone's looked at the the book trolley this morning, but Tina's done a great job of getting all the books on the Bible together and and putting them uh, on the trolley. So there's heaps of stuff there and it's great to look at uh, about how to understand the Bible and uh, and just kind of other things about the Bible. Um, But two books that I want to recommend, one is uh, God Speaks by Rich Aldrich and Ash Carter, which is a really short book, it's only... 120, 30 pages, easy. Uh, so, and it's, it's pretty accessible and short chapters and it's got a picture that gets bigger as you go through the book. So that's always good. Um, and the other one, Understanding Scripture, it's a bit more intense but uh, it's a whole of the really short chapters written by lots of different people, about 10 pages each. So uh, here's some of them. Reading the Bible theologically, reading the Bible in prayer and communion, reading the Bible for personal application, the canon of, Old Test- of the Old Testament, the canon of the New Testament, that is like how do we know what books are there, the reliability of the Old Testament, the reliability of the New Testament, archaeology and the reliability of the Old Testament, blah, 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 blah. Right, so there's lots of, if you've got lots of questions about the Bible, then uh, that's a great book 
understanding the Bible and God speaks. So they're out there on the, uh, the book thing. Trolley. Uh, and also I just want to draw your attention too that uh, for this morning's sermon there's uh, a whole lot of Bible readings in the middle of your leaflet. So that might just help you out a bit uh, as we go through because we're looking at lots of different things to find out what the Bible says about the Bible. Well, if you've uh, joined us this morning, especially for uh, the series on what the Bible says about the Bible, then it's great to have you with us. Uh, And if you're a regular here uh, and you still have deep questions about the Bible and about the Christian faith, then hopefully over the next uh, six or so weeks we'll be able to answer some of those questions that you have. Uh, Or if you've been a Christian for a long time, Uh, and uh, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, then hopefully uh, these next few weeks will remind you maybe a lot of stuff that you already know, uh, but it will remind you so that you can share those things with other people, uh, friends that you have and people that you meet in the street, uh, and help you to explain to people uh, what the Bible is uh, and what the Bible says. A lot of the themes that we're going to look at this morning are going to be kind of uh, looked at in a bit more detail over the weeks to come. Uh, so if you've got lots of questions after today, then, then hopefully those questions will be answered in the, in the next few weeks. Uh, but this morning we're starting with uh, the question, what is the Bible? And at one level, the answer to that is pretty straightforward. The Bible is 66 books uh, written by lots of different people over a period of about 1,500 years. Uh, and while that is a true statement... Actually, that doesn't really tell us a whole lot about the Bible in lots of ways as well. It doesn't really tell us what the Bible is. The question that we want to ask this morning is, what does the Bible say about what the Bible is? What does the Bible claim for itself and about itself? Uh, Peter Adam, who's a, is a minister, or a retired pastor in Melbourne, has a great summary uh, in his book uh, written for us Uh, He has a great summary of what the Bible is and uh, I want to use that as a bit of an outline this morning uh, for finding out what the Bible says about the Bible. And and his summary statement is this, the Bible is God's words written for his people by his spirit about his son. The Bible is God's words written for his people by his spirit about his son. So what is the Bible? The Bible is God's words. Right from the beginning of the Bible we discover a God who speaks. The God who introduces himself to us in the Bible is a God who speaks. In Genesis 1 we discover that God spoke the world into existence. In Genesis 2 God uh, speaks to Adam and Eve, first in love and companionship and then in Genesis 3 in discipline and justice when they disobey him. In Genesis 12, God speaks a promise to Abraham that through Abraham all uh, the nations will be blessed. In Exodus 3, God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. In Exodus 19 and 20, God speaks from Mount Sinai. He speaks the law to them, the Ten Commandments. Time after time, uh, God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament and they would say, thus says the Lord... Over and over again the Bible shows us that God is a speaking God and while we might be familiar with that, that's actually incredibly profound that God is a God who speaks because unless God spoke to us, 
we wouldn't know him. If you look at Isaiah 55, which Nathan read for us, Isaiah 55 begins with this incredible invitation to come and to know God. It's an invitation to people who are spiritually hungry and spiritually thirsty. But that spiritual hunger and thirst is quenched, strangely enough, I don't know if you noticed it, but that spiritual hunger and thirst is quenched by listening to God's words. So verse 2, listen to me, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. Here's the problem, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways and God's thoughts are utterly beyond us. They're unreachable. And if they're unreachable, if God's thoughts and ways are up there and we're down here, then how can we ever know God's thoughts and God's ways? How can we ever know God? The only way is if, it, if God speaks to us. So verse 10, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word is like the rain which produces food on the earth. God's word is what quenches our spiritual hunger and thirst. God's word is what reveals God to us, God's ways and God's thoughts. Uh, in that book that I mentioned before, God Speaks, uh, Rich Aldrin and Ash Carter liken our situation in this world to a person waking up in uh, a room with uh, locked doors and no windows. You can't remember anything that's happened before. You just sort of wake up and you find yourself there and you don't know what you're doing. It's a bit like that movie The Cube. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. Weird. But um, you, you wake up in this place and you don't know what's going on and you begin to ask questions like, who am I? How did I get here? How should I live in this room? You might invent uh, science and philosophy from within inside that room, but those things aren't going to answer any of your questions. The only way that you can find out who you are and what you're doing in that room and what that room is, unless somebody is, is if somebody comes to you and speaks to you from outside. And Isaiah says that God has spoken to us. We're in a room and we don't know where we are or what we're doing. But God has spoken. He's revealed his words and his thoughts that were so far beyond us. I love these words uh, from John Calvin. Calvin on, uh, on the Bible is great. Uh, it's worth reading and surprisingly accessible. But he writes this, For who even of slight intelligence does not understand that as nurses commonly do with infants, God is wont in a measure to lisp in speaking to us. Such forms of speaking do not so much express clearly what God is like as accommodate the knowledge of him to our slight capacity. 
Don't you love that? God is so kind in speaking to us that he's like a nursing mother speaking to a baby. He speaks in baby talk. He lisps to us because we're not very good at understanding and he makes known to us his thoughts and his words. Or again, Calvin said, it is most stupid not to honour the word of God because he has lowered himself to the level of our ignorance. When we find God prattling to us in the Bible in an uncultivated and vulgar style, let us remember that he does it for our sake. I love that. What is the Bible? It's God prattling away to us in a vulgar and uncultivated style so that we would understand, so that we would know him. Without the Bible, without God speaking to us through the Bible, God's thoughts and God's ways and God himself would be, would be utterly beyond us. So what is the Bible? Well, the Bible is God's words. The Bible is God speaking to us. But more than that, the Bible is God's words written for his people. That is, the Bible is God's words written down. It's not as though the only words of God were the audible words that God spoke or the audible words which God spoke in Jesus. Jesus constantly calls the Bible the word of God as well. So a good example is uh, there in John chapter 10. Uh, You've got that written down. Jesus says, If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, etc., etc. But what's really significant about what Jesus is doing there is he's saying he's calling the word of God, uh, he's quoting from a psalm in the Old Testament, Uh, And he's equating that with the word of God and calling it scripture. Scripture literally means uh, writings, the things written down. So the word of God in the Old Testament, the things written down, is the word of God. The word of God which came to Moses and Elijah and the prophets is the word of God. Uh, The apostle Peter calls Paul's writings scripture as well. So... uh, There in 2 Peter chapter 3 he writes, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. So so Peter's saying he's putting Paul's writings on the same level as the other scriptures, the other words of God which have been written down. God's words are found in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the writings of the prophets, in the writings of the apostles and the witnesses of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. But God's words have not just been written down, they've been written down for us. God wrote them down for our sake. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11. Uh, Paul's just been recounting some, uh, in that passage he's just been recounting some of the aspects of Israel's history and then he says in verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfilment of the ages has come. So the events didn't just happen to Israel back then for their sake, but they happened to Israel back then for their sake and then were written down for us as well. Or Romans 15, 1-4. 
We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So Paul is making a point about how we should live. We ought to bear with one another. And then he he backs it up with a quote from the Old Testament from uh, another psalm which has been fulfilled in Jesus. And then he says that all those things were written down uh, to teach us. So he's using the Old Testament, he's using a psalm to make an application about how we should live today. And he says that those things were written down by God so that we might uh, be encouraged and so that we might have hope. God wrote down his words so that we might know them and so that we might know him through them. That's true of the Old Testament. It's just as true or perhaps even more true of the New Testament. So the Apostle John writes in in 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. We often talk about As Christians we often talk about witnessing to Jesus but we aren't witnesses to Jesus really, not in the proper sense because a witness is someone who has seen and heard firsthand and then who takes that and tells it to other people. And John is saying they saw, they heard, they touched, they touched Jesus, they heard him, they saw him and they're testifying to it. And what's more he says we've written it down so that you would know it as well, so that you would know our testimony, our witness. The witness uh, of the apostles was not, let me tell you how God has changed my life, although that was part of it, but their central witness was, this is the Jesus who we knew and we saw and we met and we heard. The Bible is God's words written down for us so that we can know God. And yet, so often, we don't want God's word from the past written down. We want a new word or a new message or a new revelation or a new event or a new sign. Actually, I think most often what we really want is a personal message and a personal word. We want God to speak straight to us and not to anybody else. We want a message that God has given to us that God hasn't given to others. But God has given us his message and he wrote it down not only for people in the past but for us today as well. In the Bible God does speak to us personally but he speaks in the words that he spoke in the past and that were written down for our sake. 
what is the Bible? The Bible is God's words written for his people. But next, the Bible is God's words written for his people and those words have been written down for us by the Holy Spirit. One of the great texts which speaks about that is uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, so you've got that there. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, Paul writes to Timothy, and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness that the man of God, so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says the sacred writings or the scriptures are God-breathed and in the Bible the breath of God is the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the words of God breathed out by the Holy Spirit. You get the same thing in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Another great illustration of that kind of basic understanding is in Acts 4.25. There the uh, believers are praying together and they say, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So why do the nations rage is a quote from Psalm 2 uh, written by David but these believers say you spoke by the Holy Spirit when David wrote why do the nations rage. So the Holy Spirit spoke through the mouth of David and those words have been written down for us in Psalm 2 for our hope and our encouragement. The basic point is that Psalm 2 is the product of David and the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the work of both humans and the Holy Spirit. There are lots of different ways that uh, the Spirit breathed out God's words in the Bible. Uh, The Ten Commandments were written by God himself on tablets of stone. God appeared to people in visions and dreams, like uh, at the end of the book of Daniel. God dictated some words to people directly. So the prophets say, thus says the Lord. They're quoting from God verbatim. At other times God worked through the thoughts and the writing of ordinary people. The books of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles are books of carefully researched history and as you read through some of them, often you find them referring to other documents which they've used to compile their history. Luke says in the first chapter of his Gospel that his Gospel is the result of meticulous research, of investigation and of personal interviews. John's Gospel is his own testimony about the life of Jesus which he witnessed firsthand. Paul's writings were personal letters sent to churches and sent to friends in ministry. But in every case, the words that were written down and the words that were recorded were breathed out by God so that what was written down was exactly what God wanted to be written down. How does it benefit us that God's words in the Bible were written by the Holy Spirit? Most of all, I think it means that those words are reliable. 
They're trustworthy. We'll think uh, in a few weeks' time uh, a lot more about the trustworthiness of the Bible, whether we can believe the Bible. But the point for the moment is that the words in the Bible are not just human words, but they're the very words of God. When I speak, most people don't really listen. You know, I mean, you have those, ever have those conversations where people start glazing over? Uh, that's usually me. Uh, I'm the one glazing over. No, but... Uh, <laughs> people don't listen to me because my words are not that important. <laughs> it's a big concession for me to make. But it's true. My words are not that important. But in the Bible, we don't just have human words. We have the very words of God. God has spoken. We have the words of the God who made us and the words of the God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. That's a God worth listening to, isn't it? And because those words were written down by the Holy Spirit, we know that they're sure words and true words and faithful words. What is the Bible? The Bible is God's words written for his people by his Spirit. But lastly, what are those words about? I suspect that if you asked uh, most people on the street what the Bible was about, I reckon a fair number of people would probably say that it's a list of rules, of things to do, things that you should do to make God happy and things that you should try not to do so that God doesn't get angry with you. But the Bible isn't. Uh, a list of rules. The Bible is about Jesus. That point is made, I think, quite profoundly when Jesus, when uh, John says that Jesus is the Word of God. The Bible is God's Word, but Jesus is God's Word as well, the Word of God. Saying that Jesus is the Word of God is really uh, just a way of saying that everything in the Bible is about Jesus and fulfilled in Jesus. The Bible introduces Jesus to us and Jesus reveals God to us. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God and the Bible is the revelation of Jesus. Jesus says something uh, similar uh, to his disciples after his resurrection uh, in the Gospel of Luke. So uh, you've got that written down. He says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And again, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Uh, the prophets... Lots of other things, including the histories and the Psalms. They're the three divisions uh, of, the, of the Old Testament. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. How is the Bible about Jesus? The Bible is about Jesus because it prophes its prophecies are about Jesus and its promises are about Jesus. God promised Eve that one of her descendants would crush Satan's head and Jesus 
has done that. Isaiah prophesied that a virgin would conceive and bear a son who would be named Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary gave birth to Jesus who was God with us in the flesh. The Old Testament rituals and sacrifices were about Jesus and find their fulfilment in Jesus. Jesus is the Passover lamb who turns away the wrath of God. Jesus is the sacrifice of the Day of Atonement which cleanses his people from all their sin. The lives of people in the Old Testament foreshadowed Jesus. Moses said that God would raise up a prophet just like him who would speak God's words. Moses spoke God's words because God spoke to Moses. But Jesus speaks God's words to us because Jesus is God. The kings of the Old Testament foreshadowed the kingship of Jesus. They ruled over God's people. Jesus rules over God's world. The high priest foreshadowed Jesus as a person who stands between us and God, pleading for us on our behalf. And on and on it goes. The Old Testament, the Bible, is about Jesus. And yet to say that the Bible is about Jesus is not to say that the Bible is only about Jesus. The Bible introduces us to God the Father and to God the Holy Spirit. The Bible explains the world to us. It explains sin. It explains the wisdom of God. But to know those things without knowing Jesus is to miss the point of the Bible. To know the Bible but to not to know how Jesus saves us is to miss the point of the Bible. To, to know the Bible but to not know the benefit of Jesus' life and death and resurrection is to miss the point of the Bible. To know the Bible but to not, to not know how all God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus is to miss the point of the Bible. Look at that last quote from John chapter 5 where Jesus says to the Pharisees, I think it's one of the most tragic statements in the whole Bible. Jesus says, this is the last uh, couple of sentences of that, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. They studied the, they'd studied the scriptures. They knew them. They, they worked hard. They went to all the Bible studies. They went to all the Bible conferences. But they didn't know Jesus. And they'd missed the point of the Bible. To know the Bible without knowing Jesus is to miss the point of the Bible. Why is the Bible so important? The Bible is so important because in it we meet Jesus. And unless we meet Jesus, we can't know God. We might catch a glimpse of God. We might see God's glory in creation. We might see God's kindness in the lives of other people. But unless we know Jesus, we can't be forgiven and we can't be redeemed and we can't be reconciled to God. We can't be recreated or renewed. The Bible is so important because unless we continue to use the Bible, the Jesus that we remember becomes the Jesus of our imagination. You see, it's not so much that we forget Jesus, that we forget that he exists, but when we forget the Bible, when we don't use the Bible, we misremember Jesus. 
James Smart, in his book The Strange Silence of the Bible in the Church, writes these haunting words. Without the Bible, the remembered Christ becomes the imagined Christ, a Christ shaped by the religiosity and unconscious desires of his worshippers. Without the Bible, the remembered Christ becomes the imagined Christ, a Christ shaped by the religiosity and unconscious desires of his worshippers. Or, to quote Peter Adam, the imagined Christ, the Christ we make up out of our own minds, is shaped not only by our religiosity and our unconscious desires, but also by our secularity and our fears and our imagination and our lack of imagination. That is, a church where the Bible is not preached and studied and where the Bible is not read and not believed, in that church, the Jesus that we believe in ceases to be the Jesus of the Bible, the real Jesus, and becomes a fictitious figment of our imagination. Without this book, without the Bible, we will either not know Jesus or we'll misremember him and we will not know God and we will not be saved by the real Jesus. The Bible is so important because in these words which have been written down, the God of all the universe speaks to us about his Son through whom he has reconciled the world to himself and through whom he makes himself known to us. There is nothing more important than the words of this book written for us by God's Spirit about his Son. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you have not let us live in silence and in confusion and in ignorance, but that you have spoken, that you have spoken to people in times past and the words that you spoke to them have been written down for our sake, that you have spoken to us in your own Son, through whom you created all things and that the testimony to his life and his words have been written down for us. Lord, help us to receive your words in the Bible so that we might know you and know Christ and through knowing Christ be reconciled to you. Lord, if we have sought another word or a new word or a new revelation or something special for ourselves, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us and help us to receive the words that you have spoken and to believe them and to trust them. Lord, if we have heard your words and not believed them, forgive us and help us to trust you and to take you at your word. Lord, we pray that through your words we would know Christ and know you. For Jesus' sake, amen.